Let's go. Master of all things tabletop. With the Paladins of Podcast. They ruin the games you love by talking rules that suck, how to build kick-ass encounters, destroy worlds, and really get your players invested. So go ahead and throw that fistful of dice at someone. Because we're going on a side quest. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Side Quest with your Paladins of Podcast, Robin Eli. And today, we have Tucker with us in our search for a new co-host. Truthfully, just a new host. I don't like the co. Um, Eli, I consider you a host, and Tucker co-host seems a little uh, secondary, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we want to be... Uh, I, I'm really trying to actually work a host of hosts pun into here, but like that's <laughs> not quite going super well in my head. But yeah, absolutely, you know, you want to have everybody on an even playing field something something game balance something something absolutely so because you're new why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you uh kind of time that you've spent in the tabletop hobby space some of your favorite uh systems or mechanics some of your least favorites um and then we do have a few things we really want to talk about that you're bringing to the table and i'm excited to jump into those so let's uh yeah. giving it to you man all right well Thank you very much. And uh, hi, everyone. I'm Tucker. I, uh, geez, I've been gaming for two decades now, a little bit over that, and I'm 32 years old, so I can very easily say most of my life at this point. Mm. Um, grew up with D&D 3.0, 3 3.5, How did you get introduced to tabletop RPGs? So this is the this is the weirdest thing. I was thinking about this the other day. I don't remember. I rem you don't remember. My, my, er I, my earliest D and D memories are even pre three days. I was um I was in fifth grade, so I would have been like ten, and like looking at um people's custom adventure modules on um oh I can't think of the the website. It's a it's a classic website on the old rpg host web ring if you remember that i'm really dating myself here but yeah. um <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, i'm a little bit older and i i don't remember that but yeah. i remember a lot of geo cities and angel fire websites exactly right and you could go and you'd have people's 2e campaign modules about like elemental evil and stuff and i remember trying to solo play through some of them without having access to a player's handbook or a dm's guide which let me tell you was an experience when you're 10 years old and trying to reverse engineer AD&D, you wound <laughs> up making up a lot of stuff. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> I uh, I graduated from that into arguing nonstop on the old uh, Watsi, the Wizards of the Coast forums. Mm -hmm. uh, the I was a big contributor to the character optimization board back in the day, um, which actually got me a couple of very, very, very very small and one of them was uncredited gigs with uh uh wizards of the coast looking at a couple of their books which was pretty nice. fun yeah, yeah um i'm still not technically sure exactly if i was legally able to sign one of the ndas i signed for them because i was 17 close to 18 at this point um i think i might have just <laughs> just turned 18 i'd have to look up the dates on certain releases to see if that lines up wizards um, of the I, coast using child labor 
to build yeah, their adventures. Well, I, I mean, really, come on. really, really didn't want them to know I was a kid. I really didn't want that. Anon, anon, anonymity, a word I can totally say, of the internet, right? Sure, but even now, we're 15 years later at least, so I'm sure you can talk about something. Oh, yeah. I, I Yeah, I shoot my mouth about this stuff off all the time. I playtested... Uh, a saga star wars saga edition if you know it i was a credited play tester on um, rebellion era campaign guide my my name is on the credits page of a book with mark hamill's face on it that is one of the coolest things <laughs> i've ever done that sounds um, cool. i've done some i don't know i've done some <clears throat> other neat things anyway so you know i went on to 4e from that and then eventually i got very very tired of D and D D20 in general and found my great love and joy apocalypse world which I will not shut up about, which I'm sorry, listeners, you're going to have to put up with this. There's going to be Apocalypse World talk today. It's going to be great. I'm so excited for this. I genuinely, I was like shoving a PDF, uh, a fair use PDF of like nine pages from the Apocalypse World book in these guys' faces like, look at this. It's so good. It's so good. We should talk about how good it is um it's probably my favorite game i only say probably because i'm i'm one of those people that's always looking for the next best system uh always experimenting yes i'm working on a homebrew system yes i think that's the inevitable consequence of playing games for too long yeah um, i agree i i i actually um funny story i used to dj a little bit at goth clubs and the reason what's, i DJ'd, what's your dj name Occult Helix and spelled funny. Um, I never got I never got too much traction, but um, <laughs> the reason I started doing it is because I was going to goth clubs and complaining about the music at goth clubs, and I was complaining about it to a DJ friend of mine, and eventually she said to me, "Why don't you just DJ?" And I said, "Oh, I could never do that." So then, about a week later, I went to a different club and heard the worst DJ I've ever heard in my life. And I said to myself, all right, if this guy, and I won't name the DJ or the club, but I'll say, said to myself, if this guy can DJ at one of the biggest goth clubs in Los Angeles, I can DJ in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is where I started. <laughs> so, I feel like that's how a lot of con GMs get born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say, like, but what do they say? If you can't find the game you want to play, you have to write it. So right. it's the same it. philosophy that you're taking from your DJing comes in here. Perfect. Exactly. And that's that's a big thing I like. I'm a big fan of, you know, uh, cross disciplinary pollination, different experiences, you know, applying to different fields. And, you know, I think that one of the best things we can do as gamers is just do a whole bunch of different stuff in our lives and bring that experience into gaming. Not mm -hmm. always positive. Sometimes you have a guy who writes a thesis on pole arms who winds up being one of the founding fathers of a game called Dungeons and Dragons, which winds up with as many pole arms as every other weapon type combined. <laughs> Not always productive. That's a true story, by the way. I believe it was Gygax who, who wrote a, a thesis on pole arms, if I'm remembering this story correctly, which is why D&D has so freaking many of them. I, honestly, it sticks with pointy ends of some degree. I mean, you can pretty much stop with six of those. Yeah, well, I, I love having like subject matter experts in my games. I've got a one of my players is like a climber, and I've learned so many different things about climbing just because of the nice. questions they'll ask when they get to a climbing situation. Do you so, stop the game to figure out an answer for them? Well, you 
the guy's a, also like a really good teacher. And so he'll often be like, I'm looking for this because of these reasons. And I'm like, one, that's just like a great way to phrase a question. Um, but two, it also is very educational. So that's fair. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, though, you got to you got to be careful with stuff like that, because what you don't want with subject matter experts, and I love subject matter experts in the game. You're absolutely right. They add so much depth. There's a great story, actually, about Owen C.K. Stevens, who worked on Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars D20 games. And then, of course, Pathfinder and Starfinder um, running a con Star Wars D20 session for a very old gentleman who it turned out had been involved in partisan resistance in World War II and instantly understood uh, everything that was happening in the game through the lens of World War II. That's kind of great with a subject matter expert. You got to be careful, though, uh, when the subject matter expert starts asking for mechanical bonuses because of their subject matter mastery. Mm -hmm. That's a little... Mm, 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 oh, mm. Right. You know, you see the same kind of issue with people who like to write things into their backstory and think they should have it. <laughs> I yes. Think, I think we've all had players who uh, either fall on either side of those lines at the same time. Um, not at the same time, but at a, at different times. But, yeah. I mean, hey, you got a lot of experience, especially, as you've said, taken so many different experiences and blending them into uh, your games and your systems. And... I want to kind of fast forward us into this because it, it seems like this is how you look at Apocalypse World. Yeah. And Absolutely. again, I, I know I've said it to you guys. I'm excited to hear this because I've read through the Master of Ceremonies excerpt that you've sent us. Um, and I love the tone. And I want you uh, to yeah. take it from there because the tone of Apocalypse World is incredibly different from everything else. Okay, so the tone rant. You guys, you've triggered the tone rant. This is a trap. You've you failed your save against Tone Rant. Here we go. So the you can hear Eli sign. First, could we first could we just get a preview of you know the of what Apocalypse World is for someone yes. who's never heard of the yes, game? Yes, 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 what yes. is Apocalypse World? Okay, so what is Apocalypse World? So Apocalypse World at its core is a system. It's what we would call rules light. It's a little heavier than some rules rights rules light systems. Uh, but it's a rules light system designed around post-apocalyptic role-playing with a very strong emphasis on story. And um, that might create a impression in some folks' heads of what it's like. And I would say it's really not like that at all. Um, it's this a really is, this is one of the first the first like powered by the apocalypse games, right? The apocalypse that powered by the apocalypse is powered by is apocalypse world. It's named powered by the apocalypse is named for apocalypse world. It's it's it it, it is to powered by the apocalypse, not quite because there's not an SRD, but essentially it is to the apocalypse powered by the apocalypse what DD 3.0 was to D20. Now that's not totally accurate because there's okay. There yeah, are rumors that Vincent Baker is working on a generic powered by the apocalypse SRD, but there isn't one as of yet, not as of yet. Um, so anyway, it's a great game. Um, if there's a section in the book called why to play. Uh, and one of the, one of the biggest reasons to play is your characters. They say your characters are sexy badasses. 
They are there to be awesome and uh, you are there to be a fan of them. And uh, one of the other major reasons to play, and I love this one, is they say, uh, because something's wrong with this world and I don't know what it is. That's a direct quote from the book. This is what we're talking about in terms of tone. This book is written in incredibly informal tone, now, which is... I, I got a question because what I've seen mm -hmm. on the internet when it comes to Apocalypse World and what I've read through, as you have okay, said... Here we go. I know what you're going to bring <laughs> up. Go for it. Sex, sexy badasses that you should be a fan of. Yes. So I understand that the game has, uh, for what the internet will call sexual encounters, and the decision to put them and include them in the game is primarily to determine choices, outcomes, and deepen relationships. That's the intention. Um, but the internet just makes it sound like it's a Fallout orgy style game. And that's not the case. So here's 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 the 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 thought behind that. And the this is this is like the this is like the first thing you hear anytime anybody brings up Apocalypse World mm -hmm. is about what they're called. They're in the rules, they're called the special moves. On the internet, most people call them sex moves. Mm -hmm. The question is why I put this in this game. Um, there's there's a there's a baker. The Baker's Apocalypse World was written by Vincent and uh, Vincent Baker and his wife McGay Baker uh, joined in for second edition of Apocalypse World. So there's a Baker answer to this, and then there's my answer to this. The Baker answer to this, and by the way, there's an Apocalypse World Discord. If you're curious about the game, you should totally join it. Um, McGay Baker is very active on that discord and she, there's a channel just to ask her questions, which she always answers. She's that, great. Yeah, that is actually one of my biggest appeals, especially to a number of games is when they have a community that's active and, or actively engages with like members of the design or mm -hmm. the writing team. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's incredible. So, so I know this because I've, I've seen her. I mean, type this, not quite say, but type. The idea, both Vincent and McGay are actually trained sex educators. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to, in 2010, we were still in the scenario where if you were talking about sex and RPGs, right, you're making horny bard jokes, basically. <laughs> you're, you're talking about that fat creep who wants to do unspeakable things to his amply chested character right yep so vincent and meg they said let's let's bring a discussion about sexuality to the game table let's put it on the character sheet in a place we can't ignore in a place we can't talk about or in a case we can't avoid talking about let's open up this front in the gaming community to have a more productive discussion about it in a way that isn't puerile or infantile and I think that's I think that's really bold. Now, the newest version of Apocalypse World, Apocalypse World Burned Over, doesn't have the special moves. There's an, a version of Apocalypse World now. If you don't want that in your game, it it, it doesn't it doesn't come up. Um, See, that's that's a shame. I I like it being in there because I think it helps to like normalize at least having it in a good way in your games. So, uh, so if we, if you only have bad examples of like people being creeps and infantile, then of course everyone's going to associate bad, bad situations. Yeah. I, I mean, 
I, I 100% agree with that, right? And I think that's part of the positive community they were trying to build. Now, here's that's the Baker view on it. Here's my view on it. And I'm going to make this really, really blunt, okay? Go for it. You guys ever decapitated somebody in game? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. You ever you ever cut somebody's limbs off? Yep. Burned somebody yep. to to a crisp. Disintegrated somebody. Choked yep. them. Yep. Heard an episode you guys did the other day where you were talking about a character, a, a paladin, even just sitting there watching somebody be tortured. God, that right? was horrible. But yeah. Right. Okay. We have all this violence in our games. This is even like a uh, is it is it is it critical role? There's the how the how do you want to do this? Or like you get a crit hit and then you just violently describe destroying yeah. a guy. Why yeah. are we so okay with that level of this? We're casually talking about this, right? And we're so like, we're completely averse to any kind of sex in our games. What is going on? Because which of those is a more normal human experience, human experience, right? Violence. I don't, Ooh, I don't know that I would agree with that. I will debate you on that because like, I think most people, I mean, we can make jokes about Redditors all we want, but most people <laughs> over the course of their lives will have a sexual experience at least. Most people are not going to decapitate somebody. Right. However, everybody has violent thoughts and tendencies way more often than sexual thoughts and tendencies. So aggression is built in as a response to anything that we don't like or want to avoid. I, I don't know if necessarily aggressive and violent are... Thoughts they're the same. They're linked. So aggressiveness is considered violence. No, that's that's a fair point, right? But the the what I'm I'm not talking about like how do I put this? The level of violence that we've normalized in our games. Like the the granularity of the violence, right? That's we're true. talking about called called shots to the eye, to the groin, to you know, something to, to that. We're talking about dismemberment. We're talking about headshots. We're talking about, um, yeah, just, I, just, yeah, just all violence well, to the extreme and then everything well, else hidden. But right. I, I do say that this, I like having it in the game because having it in the game also helps reinforce having a session zero and talking about what you want to have included in your game like a lot of session zeros will cover extreme violence extreme gore and how far do you want sexual encounters or romantic encounters to go or progress at your table true and i think for a lot of people i know that i have uh i've got females in both my campaigns i got males in both my campaigns primarily mm -hmm. uh majority are guys mm -hmm. and it's really weird as the dm rolling through sexual encounters with other dudes like i don't mind doing it but it's just weird and sometimes i'm the kind of person i'll just keep pushing like who's gonna back out first at this point but and, uh it's not everybody's like that not everybody can do that not everybody enjoys that aspect apocalypse world putting it in there forcing that conversation um i like but the internet doesn't seem to agree with it well, the internet as a whole, if there's one thing I can say about the internet in general, it's that it doesn't like being taken out of its comfort zone, right? Yep. And the internet is never wrong. The internet is, oh, that. Oh, boy, they're always right. Oh, yeah. Bonjour. 
But um, <laughs> do you remember that commercial? Um, Eli, do you remember the commercial? It was think... "Don't believe everything you read on the internet." And uh, a guy met a girl through a dating app, and she's like, "You don't look French." And he ended the commercial with "Bonjour." <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember that commercial at all. You know, I, I, my genius is wasted. <laughs> well, it's still, it's a, hey, look, it's still a funny non sequitur. I'm not going to lie. Now I'm going to think of it every single time. Good. Now I'm going to think of it every single time. This is not trustworthy on the internet. But yeah. listen, this, the, this um, person could be French. This person <laughs> could Bonjour. be. Bonjour. Where's the, where's the, where's the drop? The dum, dum, dum. Drop. You nailed it. Tucker. That's what we need. Um, oh man, can I, I gotta, I gotta try something. Hang on. Oh boy. Let me see if I can. Oh boy. I got some, I got some, uh, I got some bad news for you guys. I don't know uh, if I can handle a, more bad there's news. A there's a discord feature that, uh, you have not disabled that I might keep a little bit quiet until <laughs> I use it. I'm very excited about this. Um, anyway, <laughs> mm -hmm. you can't see me, but I'm, 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 uh, I'm I'm what what is this called? Can what I is it called when you do this like the little wiggling I'm I'm wiggling my fingers together in a in a steeple motion. You know what I what is that a maniacal scheming. hand gesture. Maniac maniacal gesture scheming. Yes, there's scheming going on. Anyway, apocalypse world. We're getting wildly off track here. Apocalypse oh God, we world. Are. Um yeah, so I think that I think that having a discussion about um because it's the same sort of thing, right? We're we're still in a place where people who, well, let's be real, where male identifying people who play female characters are looked at with a lot of skepticism. And I think that that's uh, frankly ridiculous. I think that role-playing is a great time to experience, um, it, it, why, why is it more, why in the world, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm like way up on my soapbox at this point, but like, why in the world is it more unreal to pretend to be a female person than it is to be a dwarf? I mean, yeah. so, and, 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 or a, a female person pretending to be a male though, that's not looked at as skeptically because, and I could go into my whole rant about society about this, right? Uh, I think that, I think that role-playing is a great time to say, you know, Hey, maybe I am a little bit uncomfortable as a GM playing a uh, flirtatious barmaid who's flirting with one of my male player characters. Like, you know, why is that? You know, why, why is it that like, we're, we're, we're in a space where maybe if, um, if I was playing a, uh, if I, if I was, if I was flirting with a, or my character was flirting with a female player, maybe I'd be more comfortable with that, but we're in a pretend space, you yeah. know? I, sorry. I also, by the way, I, I did theater when I was in high school. So like this whole sort of person character separation thing is just like second nature to me. That, so I know not I everybody is. Say. Eli, you did theater yeah. too, didn't you? I, I did do a little bit of theater. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it's a, it's an important separation that isn't always discussed. Like there's a, there's always those segments that are like, here's how to role play. Here's how to play our game. And, I think they don't talk a lot about that separation and maintaining that because as an NPC, that's the NPC flirting with the, the, the character. Well, 
doesn't that also play into the idea that fact that uh, a lot of players or DMs are looking for as much immersion as possible? I mean, yeah, everybody just... says we want them to do more, but is there a point where we want to cut off how much more? Well, see, that's that's actually I was just going to bring that up, right? Because there's a certain amount of a natural objection to what I just said is, well, wait a minute, there's going to be a suspension of disbelief issue here. If you know, if you're I mean, you, you can't see me, but I've got a really impressive beard. And, you know, if you hear me with my fairly deep voice and my fairly impressive beard at the table, not nearly as impressive as Eli's, by the way. Eli's rocking a great beard for all you who can't see this. He's got it. So if you hear me you. like rocking the rocking the beard and the and the deep voice and trying to portray a graceful paragon of femininity, a word I can also totally say, um, it's it creates a suspension of disbelief issue. But what I would say is this. Um, this is a little bit of a theater concept, but it's all about Eli's going to, Eli might groan or cringe or have some flashbacks. Okay. It's all about commitment. If you, if you commit to the, to the thing, and I mean, seriously, not in an ironic way, not in a look at what I'm doing way. We all know what I'm talking about when we're like, oh, Hey, I'm committing to the female bit. Look at me. Look at how female i'm being right guys i'm doing a big wink you can't see the big wink i should i, I have it. to stop communicating you can hear we, it okay we can hear because like i i man i feel like the viewers i just called them viewers they're not viewers they're listeners i feel like the listeners are like they're only getting half of this because i'm talking with my hands i need to stop doing that point aside you know if you really commit seriously it's not even going to be a thing. It's like that old comic where it's like Slappy the Clown is the player character in session one. And then by session 42, he's having these big dramatic storylines about so like how do, his... you, how do you get your players to commit in, you in make... a way that separates them? You, you, you like... want, well, you're asking me, so I'll give you my opinion. You make them feel safe. You make them realize that like, this is not a space where you are going to get laughed at if you are a big manly dude trying to portray a female elf. Okay. I, uh, I lead by example. That too. That's, I mean, so. say more about that, but that's, I love it. Say more about that. <clears throat> so Eli recently asked me a question because he asked me if I oftentimes stand up to DM. I recently made a podium so I could stand mm -hmm. up and I ended up retiring my podium already because I switched sides to my, up my table and it, Ooh. Well, <laughs> you've already retired it. Yeah. I'm oh, actually man. using it as a footstool right now, <laughs> but, uh, but I moved sides to the table because I, I could reach the battle mat better. I removed a hundred percent of my grid and I just put a solid singular, uh, 24 by 36 grid under my glass table. Mm -hmm. And I did that. So all the players could hopefully keep all their crap off of the fucking grid. You know, now that it's defined, <laughs> don't put your dinner on it. Um, and it was so far away, I couldn't reach it from, anger. from my primary spot. So I moved sides and I was like, ah, now I can't stand up and look over the podium. So I retired it. But because I'm standing up now in a smaller space, yes, Eli, I did get a player to stand up. And prior to my arm issue, my hand issue that happened back at the end of February, I was dressing up regularly, like literally. You, you forced a player just to stand up? 
I didn't force him. I'm on this side of the table. You don't get a chair anymore. No, I moved and I stood up and he's like, he's got pumped. He's got excited. He's like, I can't, I can't stop. I got to stand up. And he stood up for the duration of the combat. And when it was finally over, he was out of breath and he sat down. Um, and like I said, before the end of February, when my arm uh, had the work accident, I was dressing up. Everything from makeup to full outfit, head to toe. Yes, my players bring something small with them, or one of them even dresses up in full outfit. I lead by example, and that leads into you, Tucker. That says, I'm making it a safe space for him. I'm showing that it's okay. I told him I was going to go 100% all in, and they feel comfortable to do the same now. And I got to tell you, you know, there are people out there who are going to say, oh, my God, you know, uh, Rob's dressing up to, to play games. That's so cringe. It is only cringe if you make it cringe. And the only person who makes it cringe is that guy, that that guy who thinks he's the coolest guy in the world, who smirks at you at the game train table and lean back and says, oh, that's so cringe. Let me tell you something. Cool people, genuinely cool people, don't need to cut other people down like that. Agreed. I don't like gaming with people. I don't like gaming with people like that. I've just, I've just decided, you know what? I'm in a game with people where I feel comfortable being vulnerable with them. And that's where our commitment comes from too, is vulnerability, safety and vulnerability. Because you know what? We're all, let's be real, okay? There's a great, there's there's a great D&D meme out there. It's a text post. I think it's from Twitter that just says something along the lines of um, GMing is uh, GMing is doing unpaid therapy for your five friends psychological problems while also desperately pretending to be a goblin. Like I've, I've so, seen that one. I've seen it. It's a, good it's a one. lot of responsibility. Yeah. It's a lot of responsibility, but it's also like we when we bring to the table a character, creative acts and creating a character is a creative act. Creative acts bring an expression of self, right? And now this is where people get weird about playing female characters. They're like, well, wait a minute. If I'm a guy and I'm expressing myself by playing a female character, what does that mean? And the answer is it doesn't have to mean a damn thing if you don't want it to. Right. Don't 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 go the other route and make it everything have meaning, right? Because then you'll just drive yourself insane. Right. But and one of the things I learned back in uh, film when I was mm -hmm. taking some film classes is relevant to any time you tell a story. When you have an mm -hmm. idea, take that story and flip it over. You know, you have a character, change their gender, change their identity. If it still makes sense and if it still works, then they, they're not special enough. But flip it yeah. and flip it and flip it until you find that right combination. And a dude playing a chick when I first encountered it uh, was just a little weird. And it wasn't weird because of the uh, ideology that I've got behind it. But it was weird because uh, he committed maybe 80% of the way. So I couldn't fully buy in. Mm -hmm. Like it, it would come and go. Yes, I, I, I recognize. I see what he's doing. I'm on board. Other times, like, wait, where did that go? And then it'd come back. And it was just easier for him to drop it and keep it up than easier for him to drop it than keep it up and just mechanically be a girl. But it made no difference in the game. So, truthfully, it doesn't make a difference. Why does anybody care what they do? So, well, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, right? There's a 
there's a social there's a social question there right about society yes. and what yep. expectations are but yep. like we're our, look we're already in a room pretending to be you know dwarves and elf. goblins like we're you know this is not this is not the this is not the time to double down on what the social zeitgeist thinks is like the the um em embrace the uh, embrace the the challenge of becoming a character and living their life as opposed to just living yourself in a fantasy right exactly and and be willing to to be disruptive in your choices, you know, pick some, you know what I, here's a, here's a thing I did not too long ago. This was a game about a year ago I was playing in. I deliberately made the choice to play a character that was modeled after my mother in the sense of, I was having some issues with my mom and I said, I am, she, she, I was, I'll, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a bit here. I was having some issues with my mom where she was being very stubborn and stuck up. So I decided to play a stubborn and stuck up character and just inhabit that space and see what that lent to my perspective on the issue. And you know what? It really helped a lot. That's interesting. That's a very forward way of approaching RPGs as therapy. Well, it's yeah. like here, look, sorry, go ahead. I'm just disagreeing. Yeah. That's it's definitely a forward way to do it. As Eli had said, um, well, so that's that's what I like so much about Apocalypse World, going back to the original topic, is Apocalypse World challenges a lot of what... How do I put this? Apocalypse World challenges a lot of assumptions about RPGs that we have and don't have to have. Um, and I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to do the hot take. I will be the bad guy and say a lot of that comes from the fact that most people come into RPGs through D&D &D and it's not close. No, and I, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I think it's absolutely fair to say. It's it's and 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 because of that, we think we as a, as players think that RPGs have to have certain elements. And for a long time, if you look at the history of how games were written, RPGs had certain elements. I think it was Rob we were doing a little bit of a chat before the game uh, over the last 24 hours or so planning this episode and Rob put it so beautifully. He said that the D and D books have a habit of reading like stereo instructions. And he's absolutely oh, yeah. right. Oh yeah, they do. They absolutely do. Um, I, I prefer to say board game instructions because board game instructions have some story in them occasionally, but stereo instructions is absolutely fair. Books don't have to be like that. And that's why the tone of Apocalypse World was so disruptive when it came out. It wasn't the first game that tried to take a different tone, but I think it was the one that did it the most successfully. This is a game, my favorite line in the Apocalypse World rulebook is that he's talking about guns, right? And he's just done a, a weapons list for the game. And there's a you know, there's weapons list. You were talking about D&D. There's 10 million different kinds of pole arms. Uh, and... In Apocalypse World, there's a there's a weapons list that has a 38 revolver and a nine millimeter handgun. And he says, I say 38 revolver and nine millimeter handgun, but what I really mean is any any revolver or any semi-automatic handgun, I don't actually give a shit about calendar. Cal uh, caliber, pardon me. I yep. messed up the line. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, Kill me. 
We'll fix it in post. We'll fix uh, it in we post. Won't. <laughs> we probably won't. Uh, but, but, but that's my point. Is right that kind of tone? Like, who says that in a rule book? Who says that in a game rule book? Yeah, that's there's, that there's lots is. of games. There's lots of games that have like a similar approach, right? Like where they'll have like a, a character in the sidebar that addresses the players, or mm-hmm. uh, but there's it's very conversational because even. Like Hackmaster has a little bit, but that comes off in a totally different tone, and that's just tidbits here and there. But the way Apocalypse's world is written, it's every paragraph is written as if it's someone talking to you and telling mm-hmm. you how to how to run it. I think it conveys its tone and theme really well. Right, and like games are a conversation. Games are a conversation in which you occasionally roll dice. The amount of dice you roll is going to change based on the game you're playing, but ultimately it's a talking game. That's why Discord saved us over the pandemic. So, you know, why not have the rulebook be a a conversation piece? You know, and that's why Apocalypse World asks a lot of questions like, why not have initiative-less combat, right? That was something you guys were talking about the other day. Apocalypse Mm -hmm. World is one of those systems that doesn't have initiative. And the question is, why do we have to have initiative? Why not do something without initiative? Why not have an informal tone? Why not have sex, you know, front and not front and center, but very present on the characters? Why not do these things? It's a very experimental game. And a lot of experiments really, really work well. And that's, oh, I love it so much. So I think uh, <sighs> out of the nine page document that you sent us, my favorite line is actually right on the first page, which comes from page 80. Um, and it's a parenthesis. It's a small aside. It talks about. Oh, uh, I know the one you mean. I know the one you mean. I love this one too. Go for it. Get into Give your to pre-planned storyline. Do not pre-plan a storyline. And I'm not fucking around. I mean, you so, don't see that in rule books. That sets the tone for Apocalypse World, and not just the tone for Apocalypse World, but the setting in which it's in. Like it throws away a lot of the social norms it sets aside a lot of the uh, preconceived notions of where we are today i mean it's in a point where we no longer have the same restricted uh inhibitions that we do currently Uh, and that's something that i think is important to the setting and tone absolutely it's it's critical and by the way here's something here's something that i love about this that makes that even more strong okay because right right above that at the start of the this is the beginning of a chapter and right above that it says there are a million ways to gm games apocalypse world calls for one way in particular this chapter is it follow these as rules the whole rest of the game is built upon this so when so so what they're saying there in that parenthetical is they are saying it is a rule of apocalypse world do not pre-plan a game and we are not fucking a plot line and we are not fucking around. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is such, you're right. That's such a powerful statement to make. And it yeah. informs so much about like, what's the games like, what's it about. And I'll tell you right now, this probably sounds terrifying to a lot of folks out there who haven't ever tried playing to find out is the, the phrase apocalypse world uses for it. And it's, it's, it's terrifying to imagine now D, it's hard to do this right because you need stat blocks you either need stat blocks or you're you're making up numbers right so yes. there's challenges there's challenges in bringing this philosophy to other systems we could do it a little bit more in some ways and I, go ahead i also I, I really like how it also it 
like a lot a lot of game masters guides or advice for for you know game masters game, dungeon masters they they're usually optional too it's like hey use these here's our suggestions mm-hmm. but this it's like this is how you should play run our game like this do it to, to get the most out of the game it it's a controversial statement it is a hot take and this game by the way is 13 years old now and it's still a very hot take to say there is one correct way to run this game if you look at the DD, which to be fair is from 2014 itself but if you look at the DD gm's guide right it's like you know find your own way to be a gm and it's like that's not actually helpful advice right there are so many how-to guides and how to be a good dm uh, like, what's that mean? And I think Apocalypse World actually nails this too. Uh, again, saying on the first page, at the bottom of page 80, uh, play to find out, like you mentioned, is really mm-hmm. um, the driving force here. Uh, but you have to open yourself to caring about what happens. When it comes time to say what happens, you have to set what you hope for aside. Like, how how often do newer game masters run a game solely based on their characters? Right. You know, I finally, 100%. yeah, I finally recently just started with my homebrew world of Animar. Uh, everything that's happened thus far has been in response to my characters. Their initial first big bad guys are all based off of their background stories. Um, I had, I went into it with nothing, and my characters provided everything. Yeah, and and that's another. This is another. This is another thing they talk about doing. By the way, that I, I I'm gonna segue a tad here because i i really love talking about this one um they talk about disclaiming decision making which is this is such a foreign concept for most gms um and it's basically uh this is on uh where's where's sometimes disclaim decision making it's uh this is on page uh, seven of the PDF I send you, 86 of the book. Yeah. It, it talks you... about uh, disclaiming responsibility of making a decision, uh, putting it in an NPC's hands, putting mm-hmm. it in the player's hands, creating a countdown, um, or you could make it a stakes question. Um, Which, yeah, unfortunately, stakes questions are not explained in the part I sent to you. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a G, it's a GM prep question, but I'm, I'm focusing mostly on putting it in the player's hands. Right, like there's this is something this is this is a hard thing to do, and if you this is the by the way this is the hardest thing about running Apocalypse World for people who have only ever played D anD D or Pathfinder is um, and I say this as a GM who's done it um, you'll be like um, somebody will ask you okay they'll say something like. Uh, what's the worst monster out there in the waste? You look at them in the eye and say, I don't know, what's the worst monster your character's ever heard of? You will get the deer in the headlights there so many times from people who are not used to doing this. Mm-hmm. But like, ultimately, here's here's the deal. A lot of times with a story you want to tell, if you're not pre-planning a, pot, a plot line, Guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the scariest creature in the waste is, right? That can be something that the player has control over. And maybe 
there's a character there who's super into being. Uh, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna translate this into D and D, right? They're the druid or the ranger. They're super into the natural world, right? This is where you get your subject matter experts going, who are secretly playing themselves, and they wanna <laughs> they wanna you know talk about you know your your God. I I play with a um I play with a person occasionally. They go by Veg. Veg um, is a biologist. Like they're they're a biologist of of some kind of like where they study large mammals of some kind. I'm not exactly sure what they do, but <laughs> it's a little bit above my pay grade. But you know, you, you get them going about like ecology and you know hunting mechanisms for predators in the area, right? And just let that be part of your world. There's a there's a great example of this. Um, yeah, you want to you want to engage with what the players are engaging with or want mm -hmm. to engage with. But see, that's the thing. The thing is, let them have control over what they're engaging with, right? Because I promise you, you can still run a game if you do that. You know, there's this whole thing about like the GM is the sole arbiter of what's in the world, and it's like, first of all, why would you want to put that much work on yourself? Like let's let's be real. Let's be lazy GMs here for a second, right? Let's 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 let the players do some of the work. And then even hey, hey, just Rob, how much it, how much time do you spend a week uh writing world building lore for your uh your world? Um recently or when I started? Because it's a Both. I when I first started I actually dumped in hours. Um a lot mm -hmm. of time but that's because I wanted to give my players a world to live in, um, a world to be around, somebody to react to when they did something, et cetera. So I'd spend the time building the shops, the people, uh, the inhabitants that my players would eventually interact with. Uh, now I'd probably dump in 30 minutes. So, so well, let me, let me give you another example, Eli, that's gonna, um, it's probably gonna pierce, pierce, pierce pretty badly. And I apologize for this, okay? Go for it. But let's say you have a guy who's super into betting, and he's super in. You're in a you're at a gladiatorial ring, and he says to you, "I want to bet on a on a betting match." Now, you could spend six hours of time creating forty eight different matchups. Thanks, Tucker. I did that. <laughs> you could do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Did you hear him talk? Oh, I, about I, that? I did. I'm sorry. Was that you, Rob? I thought that was Eli. I'm sorry. That was me. <laughs> That was, that was me. Yeah, this is what I'm saying, right? You could do that or you could say, who do you want to bet on? Who do you think is the strongest guy here? Who else is in the bracket that you're seeing? You could totally do that. That's not what he was asking for, though. Oh, uh, really? Really. He really, he really wanted the... He really wanted the 100% the, the, the yep. Vegas sports book? Yep, and that's what he got. <laughs> Rob, bless your heart. I, I, you know what? My players want it. I say yes, and I do it um, most of the time. <laughs> but uh, as as we're running out of time here, we like to keep this about forty five minutes. Um, oh my goodness, it's been forty five minutes already. It has been, and I want to pull something once again from Apocalypse World because that has been the biggest theme for today's episode. And whether our players are um, or our listeners are into narrative games or D&D style games, crunchy games. It doesn't matter. I think Apocalypse World is something that you should really at least take a look into. They have a lot of information online for free, uh, and you can always pick up 
books that are powered by the apocalypse to get a, a feel for it if you're not sure about some of the subject matter. But I want to close out with this sentence right here. The other worst way is to deny the character success when the characters fought for it and won it. Always give the characters what they work for. Know the way that they make a character's success interesting is to make it consequential. So I see a lot of times people are always saying, how do I stop my players from doing this or that? And Apocalypse World says, you don't. So I think yeah. this piece of advice 100%. everybody can take with them from here on. Absolutely. And that's that's going to create that buy-in. Because if, you know, going back to that suspension of disbelief issue, if if your actions don't have consequences, then your world isn't real. Agreed. Eli, anything to close this out with? Uh Make it hard, but reward it. Dried mangoes. Guys, thanks for checking out this week of Side Quests. Uh, you can always check us out online at, or on Facebook at epictablegames.com. Peace out. Okay, new intro. We've changed the name, and we're still using the word paladin. Paladin. I mean, it hasn't been used in the English language in about 200 years, but okay.